We want to welcome everyone back to BNB Presents the Black Media Podcast. We've been on vacation, vacationing. Betty, how you doing this year? Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and Happy New Year to all of our listeners. So tonight, because we got to talk about this, it, it won't stop being talked about. Now we got sub videos about it. This Cat Williams interview with Shannon Sharp. Let me give you all perspective. It was an hour-long interview. It was, no, three, actually, it was two hours and 46 two hours, minutes. Two hours, 46 minute interview. Up to like 46 million views. And I think, it. are we in the second week of this? I think this is the second week. Second I, week. I, but I, in that short period of time between when it aired and... Like the say, first 24 hours, it was already at like... <laughs> nine, nine or ten million. Yeah. This video is doing crazy numbers. Now the Willie D video is, is starting to get traction. Not as good as the Shannon Sharp, because after you did everything on Shannon Sharp, I don't even know what was left for Willie D to even talk about, but it is what it is. And now we got all the sub videos about people researching. Shout out to the internet, the internet uh, <laughs> investigation. <keep> talking, <laughs> but Betty, what did you think about the interview? I, when I first clicked on it, and I think Benny it was you that sent it to me. I did. Um, at first, I was like, two hours. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to get to it. But when I started watching it in the first, I, I think, five or 10 minutes, I was intrigued. I'm like, okay, well, I got to keep watching it now. Right. So I followed through to the end. If nothing, left, if nothing else, I think that the interview was very entertaining. I love Cat Williams. He's one of my favorite comedians. So um, just his personality, just his delivery is always um, entertaining to me. So I think that's why it was easy to watch. I wouldn't even say it was an interview. I just think it was just Cat Williams talking. Right. That's how I viewed it. Because Shannon Sharp would be asking questions and Cat Williams was like, nigga, we already talked about that. Um I already told you about that. So, but it was very interesting to me. Hold on, let me see if I can pull the numbers. Because what's kind of tricky now is that Shannon Sharp is a smart motherfucker. So the video itself was two hours and forty six minutes at forty three million views. Now he's releasing like individual clips, of videos, and those individual videos is averaging over half a million views. Yeah, because when I <clears throat> when I started watching it. And I had to keep breaking it up um, and go back because I was watching it during um, throughout my day while I was working. Uh -huh. So I was kind of listening to it in the background. But um, I kept going back to shorter. So there was like a clip that was like a half hour. There was a clip that was like an hour. So it were a lot of versions of the, um, the, the video. interview that were going on. And I think that's what caused a lot of people to have arguments and, and uh, discord I don't know how how you could have discord with somebody else stating their truth or whatever, but I think that a lot of people were not getting all of the context, and I think that's where a lot of people were like missing information. So, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go listening. I was gonna say we were seeing a lot of soap boxes that people were standing on, but mm. it was so ironic because it'll be like a long post, and it'd be like, "Well, I didn't really watch the whole interview, but." But nigga, what? It, like your whole credibility is shot. <laughs> it's shot. Like, okay, come back to me when you watch the video. And then let's have a discussion. Let, let's get perspective. 
So according to YouTube, this video was released January the 3rd, 2024. We're at January the 11th. 43,000. I'm sorry, 40, 43,887,545. Them fucking super. 43, 43 million. 887,545 million views. Them damn near wow. like, I don't even think the Super Bowl put up numbers like that. That's like up there. That's like more than any of your prime primetime shows. And this is going to lead into another conversation we're going to have tonight about viewership and advertising. And when we talk about Country Wayne, and, and one thing I like what Kat said, he had addressed, he said the fat Faison liar because what's circulating around the internet is Faison did an interview with um, Boss Talk Podcast where he's like constantly trying to degrade Country Wayne and the money that he's making. Like, oh, that nigga ain't really making no money on YouTube or he ain't really making no money on streaming. And, you know, uh, Country Wayne hasn't really responded, but like Mike Bless has responded like, no, Country Wayne got the sauce and he taught us how to get this money. Because remember Country Wayne was on YouTube and Facebook and uh, Instagram? He's 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 one. He's one. Um, I wouldn't say he's one of the originators, but he's one of the, the first people to actually have the, the complete formula. And yeah. not only oh, yeah. him having a complete formula, he like Mike... Uh, uh, what's his Mike what's Bless. his name? Mike Anthony. Mike Anthony. I think that's his Mike. Yeah, but Real which nice. you we always call him by his Instagram. But I think he's um he's right to say he puts every you know he's put a lot of people in positions, in positions where yeah. and then not only just positions in that stream, but we're seeing people like Ro. We see her in BET Plus mm -hmm. movies. We're seeing Mike and you know different things. You know he had the um Dion's uh. The losing Raising, Dion, he was uh, in that yep. edit. Raising Dion or whatever, losing Dion, whatever it's called. I'm thinking about losing Isaiah. And he's, you know, he's been so many different things. He was in that international film. Show. Yeah, that we watch. So, <clears throat> you know, people have been very visible. And he was in that movie um, with the Owens. What's his name? Owens. It was like a space type, crime fighter type movie. It was a big blockbuster. It was a big white budget you know, that he was in that too, so. Not a big white budget. He was in a big blockbuster film. I, um, <laughs> in large, large, uh, large, uh, large screen uh, production. Large I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know all the projects that he's done, but I know that he's been very, very visible. Um, and a lot of the visibility that these people are getting is because of YouTube and, and uh, Facebook and, you know, those things. So shout out to yeah. him. And one thing we well people to be forgetting is Issa Rae started off on Facebook. Was uh, it Facebook or YouTube? I'm sorry, YouTube. I apologize. Issa Rae started off on YouTube. Quinta Brunson. Yeah, Brunson. Quinta Brunson mm -hmm. started off on YouTube, and mm -hmm. people saw it, picked it up. It's another show. Um, I watched started off. Duvall and them had a show that was like running on YouTube and got picked up. So a lot of these people that you're seeing on BT Plus and. Well, let's just say I, you know, I always we know that Duvall Duvall has you know his media presence you know social media presence but let's not forget he was a professional athlete so oh, yeah, he but... didn't he didn't start from but you know like when we oh, think yeah. of some people not everybody but a lot of people are like quinta like uh isa maybe like people are started from you know very beginning like mm -hmm. with nothing you know just kind of building up so that's all i'm saying Yes, so I so that's when when he was like, Faison is a fat, fat Faison liar, and I and that was been like the constant content 
with Faison is that he's not he's not believing in this YouTube stuff. So if you got a movie and it costs you forty million dollars to make this movie, and the movie make forty one million dollars, but I got me and my friends got an iPhone and we got forty three million views off an of iPhone, you kind of got to be like, wait a minute. And every time you know they, they get residuals on those videos every time it streams with somebody. So you got to think about it. The Cat Williams interview got forty three, let's say forty four million views. All the videos surrounding Cat Williams is about to go up in numbers. All Shannon Sharp's old videos where he has such entertainers about to go back and do numbers. But that brings me to my next point. Now that the, the internet had internet and TikTok had TikTok, how do you feel about such an entertainer as a as an entertainer? Because he will be in Detroit tomorrow. <laughs> as the what Detroit, I will say, November, oh, sorry, what I will say is that everybody has their own brand of comedy. You know, mm-hmm. me, you know, doing um some stand-up and you know tapping into that um, industry a couple years ago. Um, Everybody who may be funny to you may not be funny to me and vice versa. Everybody has their own style of comedy. I've always respected um, Edric the Senator. Cedric. I didn't know his name was a a tongue twister. But (laughs) Cedric the Entertainer, I've always respected him for what he does and his work ethic. Um, Some of the times that I've seen him, he's been very funny. Some of his jokes don't relate to me. You know, mm-hmm. that is what it is. Um, a lot of older comedians may not relate to me, um, you know, and that's okay. But <clears throat> what I can say is that there is a lot of times where um, people take other people's jokes or take somebody else's punchline. And, and I'm always afraid to say certain things, even on Facebook or around certain people or just being in that comedy space, because people will take your joke and they will take your very best joke and they yeah. will twist it and turn it into something else and make it their own. And then when you get ready to perform it, you know, now it's looking like you stole it or whatever the case is. So I, I know that that does the, happen. Yeah. But a lot of comedians have writers yeah. who write for them. And they we don't know necessarily where those jokes came from. Paul Mooney was we a can, writer for, for a lot of Yeah, things. but we can we can say in this instance where Cat Williams is saying that Cedric the Entertainer saw him perform this joke and he knew that he got it from him. Okay, well, I'm gonna give him that. But there are times where you don't know who saw it. Your writer could be in a comedy clubs or could be somewhere, could have saw something on it. You know, you never know. You just know that somebody gave you this joke and now it's yours and now you're making it your own or whatever. So that happens a lot. I don't think that that changed my perspective of Cedric the Entertainer, but what I think is very, very, is as an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know, you know, how, how that worked out for them but for you to say oh i uh i did take your joke man or whatever and apologize and then try to double back and then like he crazy and talk crazy about him i've seen him over 30 times (laughs) yeah that's something different though like that's that's something different you know like as a person you have to have integrity and like i said before i i don't really look at people um entertainers and and such for moral compass like i don't um, because I know that they're just humans and, you right. know, they, you know, make mistakes and do other things. And w- sometimes the entertainment just speaks for itself. Yeah. I mean, as a 42 year old, I really have very few role models, <laughs> unless it's somebody in the business space that I'm trying to tap into and I want to look into for mentorship, but, or, you know, in the com- com- comedy for mentorship, but as, in the moral aspect, nah, I don't know. 
and that that's what he was getting to he because he, he can't wait and say if those people don't make those claims and bring me up in it there's no need for me to be here to clarify everything mm-hmm. and no one has come out and said he's a flat out even ice cube said okay he didn't write money mike but he did help punch it up and he did and, and he said yeah we auditioned 200 some people cat was 201 brought some to the role we didn't we never saw before whereas when ricky smiley was on there and they you know the internet be internet and they got a side-by-side clip about what cat said and what <laughs> what ricky smiley said who came on to the shannon sharps podcast or you know prior to where he was like yeah i was you know i shot the scene in four days and and that, so Cat Williams was like, you mean to tell me? <laughs> so a lot of, and that's what's helping his case because now they didn't found that joke was such a, was like bombinicious. They went back to designing women with Meshach mm-hmm. Taylor told a joke back in the late 80s, maybe early 80s. 90s. Yeah, <laughs> so now it's kind of like, mm. I think, I think what people are missing, like people were so butthurt about this interview. Like you would have thought that people had stock in Kevin Hart and like <laughs> you would have really thought that they had some kind of controlling interest in these entertainers. But what people failed to realize is that Cat Williams has come out to address comments that were directly made about him toward about him and towards him whatever. from Ricky Smiley, from you know, Kevin Hart, from you know, all of these people. Now, what I will say is that. We, I believe that a couple things. I believe that Cat Williams is very in, um, in, um, intelligent. intellectual, very mm-hmm. in, um, intelligent. I think he's very well spoken. I think that um, some of the things that he said were very true. Some of the things were exaggerated or added for entertain, entertainment value. You can take them for what they are. But um, all in all, I have never really seen anybody like you said say that he was telling a lie even um kevin hart addressed some of the things that (laughs) cat williams said about himself um you know getting into college at that age or you know all of the things reading all of these books and all these things but he never quite addressed anything that cat williams said about him on the um interview however i mean Kevin Hart is a smart businessman too. He might be taking out those things and and using it as some kind of way to make, you know, more money um, by talking about it. It could be a beef tour. Now, you know, Tubi put up a whole comedy beef section now and it's (laughs) it's starting, it has like everybody's movies and uh, comedy shows, whatever they, you know, whatever they can get their hands on. Um, Steve Harvey show is up there now, you know, like all of this stuff is in that section. So, I mean, money grab. Did you see a Cedric Entertainer special on Tubi? I did not see a Cedric Entertainment special, but I did see the cleaner. <laughs> Which is what Cat Wiz was saying. <laughs> He's like, he said, not on Tubi or Netflix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't see that. I didn't. Now, somebody was saying, somebody was saying that um, somebody had a, a who had a, uh, there was a interview, or not an interview, a video that um, our boy Ryan Davis did. Okay. And I think he was saying that, I think he said that uh, Cedric the Entertainer might have the specials. I don't know. On Tubi? But then, the, I think he said he might have had a special. I don't know where it's available at, because he referenced it well, when he wanted us to go back and watch uh, a couple minutes of Cedric and a couple minutes of Cat Williams, uh, Cat Williams and, you know, 
one of Cat Williams' not so popular or not so hot videos, and then one of um, Cedric the Entertainer. But then he also said that in order for you to be a great comedian, you have to have, like, you would have gotten a Netflix special if you were a great comedian. But Bernie Mac never had a, a Netflix special. Because he wasn't alive. Shit, he had passed He wasn't. Already. He's been gone for 15 years. You're right. But, but um, you're right about that. Um, so it, I guess that is a point. He has been dead for about 15 years. So, um, I mean, that is a good point. Um, I think he would have had one, though. I think he would have had one. Um, no doubt about it. I think about when you talk about a Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac was successful being Bernie Mac. And I think that may have upset a lot of people. Whereas you, well, you know, they talk about the Hollywood, you got to put the dress on, you got to shuck and jive. And Bernie Mac was, even when he did the Bernie Mac show, it was similar to his, it was almost, but it was based off his comedy with the kids and I'll butch your head to the white meat. And if that was coming out of anybody else, they'd be like, oh my God, this is so crazy. We can't talk to kids. But it was on kids. Fox. Yeah. It was on Fox. You yeah, know, Fox, but... Fox let you go for a couple <laughs> seasons with the bullshit. They will. So... Um, Fox was probably the more racier network that had all the most, the racier shows back in the 90s and early 2000s. What did you feel about when, because I don't know if you knew this, but the beef of why Bernie and say about why Bernie and uh, Steve was Steve really Harvey. beefing. Did you, were you aware that he had called Oceans and it's like, hey. I saw that and I saw that uh, somebody corroborated that story. Oh, yeah. There's a few yeah. people going. Yeah, oh, I wrote that story. And, and they actually said out of their mouth that Bernie called me and told me that like, he, this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> that he actually called it. And I know I, I love Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, Thirteen Ooh, are some of my are some of my favorite movies. Like I probably watch Ocean Eleven at least at least fifty times, right? And I think that um, I don't think it would have been the same if 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 Steve Harvey would have did that. Like I don't, I don't think Steve Harvey would have been able to pull that role. But how, Betty? What does that make you look at Steve Harvey with the side eye? Like I mean, a lot of people weren't really fucking with Steve, but now that you just, just found that shady shit out, it's one I'm thing to be like, say. it's one thing to be like, I'm gonna sell y'all this book, think like a man, and live like a woman, whatever the fuck it's called, and give y'all some dating advice, be mad on my third wife. It's another thing for me to be like, hey, I know y'all want to hire Betty, but look here. You gonna pay Betty two fifty? I'll do it for one seventy five. <laughs> That's some shady shit. That is that some is shady. ultimately just <laughs> embarrassing and humiliating. And like, who does that, right? That's but I also, <laughs> but I also believed. <laughs> I also believe that um, Steve Harvey just to me. I mean, I think he has an incredible work ethic with the things that he's able to do. You know, his yeah. TV show and. You know, um, the Family Feud and this talk show. And, you know, he has all these things going at one time. So I think he has an incredible amount of work ethic. And I think that, that would, that's what makes him successful. But I, I, once again, I don't think I've ever looked at Steve Harvey um, from, model. you know, oh, yeah. as a role model or for any moral compass. Like, even like some of the advice that he gives, there's a lot of um, truth to it, a lot of perspective. But then a lot of times I'd be like, not Steve, you know. You ain't even playing um, the shit you say. <laughs> but I also, yeah, but but then at the same time, you know, we all have that time in our life where we have to look at in retrospect and be like, okay, I'm not necessarily the person that I used to be. And, you know, I may have did some fucked yeah. up shit 20 years ago. And now I, I you know, I learned the era of my ways. So well, that could you. be, you know, 
where he's at now and where he was then, you know, just trying to come up and climb up and he was doing some fucked up shit because sometimes people do that. But, you know, I'm not necessarily saying uh, I'm looking to Steve to be, you know, this awesome uh, role model and stand-up yeah. guy. What, now, one thing I did not agree with Kat on is bringing Ricky Smiley's deceased son into the conversation. I didn't. Yeah, why did you say that? I didn't. That really was like, a little. That was a. Uh, that was yeah. That was a jab. I you know to say what? Well, no wonder people believe in rituals. Uh, like I didn't. Th- that he could have left that out and uh, talking about ludicrous wife. Now it better not come out. Well, then people start posting pictures of Hazel E. Like when well, nigga, you was over here. <laughs> they said he must, I think Ryan Davis said that that must not have worked out for him. That he that wasn't the right ones. Her, her face might have been too funny looking, possibly. But um, I think that uh, that was the only I thing that I, that I was, didn't agree with that part. Well, he didn't know he, he didn't just talk about his wife. I think he insinuated that all of the guys had this same aesthetic of a wife. Now. I posted something on the my Facebook page, <laughs> the picture with, with you know, a, a lot of different men and their wives that fit that aesthetic, right? And um, one of one of my Facebook um, friends commented and, you know, she didn't watch the special, so she didn't necessarily mm-hmm. get the joke or the reference, right. but to her, the actual comment of saying this is a starter pack or whatever will lead people to believe that in order for you to have a, a measurement of success, you have to have a light-skinned um, woman with long hair who looks a certain way to measure your level of success. Right. And what I said to her is, I said, if you if you watch the show or watch the interview, I think Cat Williams was poking fun at that fact. Mm-hmm. However, it's an interesting perspective that people think that this is a status symbol or um you know part of the elite class to have this aesthetic of a wife well at one it's time, an interesting perspective yeah it, but i think when he came for ludicrous wife, i think ludicrous wife is pretty cute I think from i gotta go back and look at the pictures it better not be one of them situations where you try to holler at her and she's like hell no nigga <laughs> now you got you holding some internal grudge because i don't even see why that i i don't even you got to be some type of genius to put all that shit together because I had never paid attention to it until you posted that picture like I'll be damned I'll be damned but I think this is Mike Epps second light-skinned wife was Mike Epps in that picture I don't think he was Mike Epps was in that picture but but Mike Epps was in that picture however (laughs) Mike um, was a fool though Mike Mike was not coming brought me up shit because I need to put I got a special coming up (laughs) Um, shout out to Mike yeah he was in that particular picture that we shared uh, one Mike hell Lisa who wind up in the picture <laughs> well Ricky Smiley I said this must have been a, a Tubi premiere movie I don't know what was going well, on with that reaching on this one but it's definitely a, a interesting perspective to say the least I when I first saw the picture I was like damn I thought that was Keith Sweat <laughs> which they you know that is her ex is that her ex-husband I, yeah that yeah. is that is yeah do you know the story so, behind that uh, I think we discussed it before, but go ahead and bring it back up again. I think it was her mother and her brother that Keith, that Keith couldn't deal with, and he was like, "I got to go." So then, yeah, I think you told me it was like they were like living in the house or something. Yeah, it must be an Asian thing because that's the same thing. I people was kind of rumoring about Jeezy, like all these motherfuckers. You know, niggas ain't used to like like black people. Once you successful, everybody got their own house. 
<laughs> Ain't no need for you to be living here, but that's not an Asian culture thing. So, yeah, know. I don't know. I think it's a smart thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's called you know like they like group economics, and yeah. and it's not necessarily a wise thing for your elderly parents <laughs> to be living in a a large opulent home by themselves once they get a certain age. But you know, Jesus said you ain't part uh, of especially CTE. if you got to be running over there every day. But I guess, but that's why they have those things called mother in law suites. Or, you Sweet. know, the yeah. house and yeah. Or that wing of the house where the mother-in-law lives. That's exactly what that's for. So somebody had the right idea with that uh, floor plan. Now, I'm going to say this. Sometimes I learned this, that you can do something simple. But when you read it on paper, it sounds extraordinary. So when Cat Williams like, I was used to speaking to thousands of people, follow me. If you're a Jehovah's Witness and you're young, I'm pretty sure they put kids up on certain stages. So if you go to a Jehovah's Witness event, it may be thousands of people there. Not that, be... not that convocation that we used to go to, because baby, that thing used to be at the, uh, was it the Silver Dome or the Palace? And that shit used to be like a whole week long event, and we used to be in there. It was huge. That's what I'm saying. So if you five years old reading a scripture, then you technically you have spoke before thousands. Not saying you did a stand up presentation, right? Because when he first said that, niggas was like, "You like, ain't no five year old doing that." But like, if you no, when he first said it, I was like, I googled like five year old Cat Williams performing. Like, I'm trying to figure out what he was performing, and then later on in the interview, he clarified that. So yeah, we was able to get more context. But you're right; some things do sound a lot better on paper than in perspective of what's actually happening, or it looks very um, larger than life. Yeah, but you're right. And you went up there and read that Old Testament. Yeah, if you went to Cass <laughs> New Testament to like a big high school and you read something like he has a motor, he spoke before thousands of people. Like, nigga, that was a graduation. <laughs> he wasn't no key. That was speaker. our graduating class. <laughs> right. So yeah. that's why I was like, okay, I see what he did on that one. Now you could be accepted to school. I think they give those out to people. Like, oh, look, Keith is smart. Howard University say you could come on over here. That don't mean your ass should leave right then and there if you ain't made it past eighth in high school. But that goes back again. It sounds good on paper. So that's that. Has anybody punched holes in anything Cat Williams has said? Like, um, I've seen people speculate, but I haven't seen anybody really pull out any uh, receipts. Right. Uh, he has the Willie, the the interview with Willie D uh, from the Ghetto Boys. Truthfully, it's kind of hard to follow this up because it's like nigga, you done laid everything out. Even if you listen to the dark, some of the comedy from the Dark Matter tour, it is funny. But going back to Cat Williams, one of his most memorable jokes I remember him doing was when he was like he had went to that celebrity mansion party and he looked in the room like is that Professor Ogilvy? So he and which which he kind of circled back. He like I told y'all when I came into this thing, I was exposing everybody. <laughs> Not Mr. Ogilvy. That was Professor Ogilvy. That was very funny. <laughs> and then, of course, these allegations about P. Diddy. What did we talk about? I think we might have talked about this personally, but one thing I always admired about P. Diddy and his predatoryness. Is the his ability not follow me? His ability to make the the thugs uncomfortable because niggas be talking hard all day on records. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. But when you see them niggas in the interview with Puff Daddy, he be like, "Daddy, come hang out with me." And niggas be looking super uncomfortable. <laughs> so that's all the, the funny part. That's like when he had the interview with Fabulous. He like, "Daddy, why you don't party with me?" And he was like, "Uh, uh, uh, <laughs> let me take you shopping so we can talk about this." 
So that's one of the what, things. What Fifty Cent say? What Fifty Cent say? He wanted to take me. He wanted to take me shopping, try to buy me some clothes. Was that Fifty Cent? Yeah, that was Fifty Cent. I'm like, what the fuck yeah. is this? So yeah. Now another Hilarious. thing that has come out with this on the Tillis Cat Williams interview was this uh, color purple. You saw the color purple, didn't you? You watched it at the theater. I did. I'm, I'm telling you, I went to the movies at 11:30 a.m. What day did you and go? When like, I walked it out, it was dark outside. I, mean, what, what um, I actually went. Christmas? I went Christmas? after Christmas because okay. um, I had planned to go to one of the uh, premieres that happened mm-hmm. before Christmas, and uh, scheduling the time it didn't quite work out. Okay. But I ended up going um, a couple of days after Christmas because when we went on Christmas, my daughter and I went to the movies on Christmas. They were sold out. Mm. And we ended up going to see the Beyonce Renaissance. Oh, yeah. Was um, that crowded when you went to the Beyonce? Thing. Now, I went to see it on Christmas. It probably was five of us there on Christmas okay, cool. when we went to go see it. But um, the Color Purple was sold out for mm. like three showings after what we were going to go see. So we didn't see it on that day, but I saw it after Christmas. What do you think about uh, Taraji and her complaints well not her complaints but just her deserving of certain things uh about the car service the pay the food what is your thought i will say underpaid undervalued so it's a couple things with this Mm -hmm. um one thing i'll say is i know that fantasia clarified that she wanted a car to drive herself around you know, she has three kids, a husband, right. her family is with her. She wants to get around. And Fantasia's always spoken about being very practical, cooking her own food, right. you know, doing her own thing. Like, you know, she after she um, had a huge loss, you know, she's a little bit more um, wise about gotcha. how she spends her money. So Fantasia has spoken on that before. So um, she clarified that, you know, she didn't have a problem with that. My thing with Taraji and her situation a lot of things people will only um, do what you allow them to do. So I know that she spoke about, you know, firing her whole staff once, you know, things didn't happen the way that she thought they should with Fox. And I think that she just probably needs better representation, um, better management, better uh, PR, like better people to more qualified people that can get her what she actually deserves. So when she goes into, when they go into these rooms, they bargaining on her behalf correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's what's causing her to be in these spaces. Um, I know that she made a comment that said something like, um, someone said that she works a lot. And she was like, I got to, because the math ain't math. And, you know, the money ain't, you know, adding up and what, what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's unfortunate because we know that, um, women traditionally have always made less money than men. Um, then you add being black on top of that. Mm-hmm. We know that the numbers are not going to match. But if you know your worth and you have somebody who also is on your team and going to work it the right way, you should be damn sure to be able to get every dime that you deserve. Yeah. And I think sometimes what we're doing is that we're just so it's almost like um if you lose your job and you you were making, you know, seventy, eighty thousand dollars and you know, a year and you lose your job and the only job that's available is McDonald's, 
And it's like, well, ain't nobody else hiring me, so let me go work at McDonald's. So mm -hmm. it's kind of similar to that. Like, she's just taking whatever they're giving her, whatever is available at that time, so that she can make ends meet or make whatever obligations that she has. So sometimes she doesn't have the opportunity to bargain, but that's because people aren't doing the right bargaining to begin with. So right. she shouldn't be on that level where she has to just take whatever, whatever. is thrown at her. You know, or, I mean... Even if she tried, we call them passion projects. Like sometimes you, it may not make you a lot of money, but you do it because this is a, a, a story that you feel like needs to be told. And she hasn't even able to get to that point because she ain't built up enough money to, to be able to be at that status. Cause she's saying that she's taking stuff, you know, right. um, you know, that's that she's been low -barred. But then when she got on Oprah, she said that she doesn't necessarily take roles that she didn't believe in. Um, or that she didn't feel like she was going to be challenged. So she turned down the Broadway, Suge Avery, I think, role for many years because uh, vocally she didn't think that she would, you know, her vocals would right. take that abuse or whatever. And then just not believing that she was ready to, to be on stage and do that. Could that have catapulted her into a higher range of uh, salary? Possibly, you know. Kind of going back when you look at Fantasia and you look at Taraji, music is different from movies. So in the music industry, a lot of shit gets charged back to you. So psychologically, Fantasia may be in a place where like, I don't want to take a car and then find out these motherfuckers deducted. Because you know, if you're in the music business, everything you do that the record company's paying, they want to make that money back somehow. So oh, right. so they could be like, oh, Fantasia, you did 30 million albums. However, you took 18 limousines. You went out <laughs> 75 times. But Fantasia did say she asked for a car so she could drive her family yeah. around. But but in the same breath, if if production, which Oprah said she, you know, she was like, get these people some cars and I'll pay for them if I have to, because she they weren't aware. Um, they weren't aware that, you know, certain things were happening. I think it may just be oversight. It may be um inexperience in some areas for you know but, some of the right. staff who knows who knows you know you know but that's if what it's, I, think, but. I think when people hear that it's warner brothers that should be i mean even i know you get a car even i know you get a ride to the set and they would just kind of go veer to this uh, vivica fox conversation to kind of bring everything together you don't get what you deserve you get what you negotiate Absolutely. So I agree, and this is kind of what Terrence Howard was saying, is that when he was doing um, Empire or whatever, when he was with his agency, they didn't. he felt they didn't do a just do to get him the money that he deserved. Because you think about it, if I'm a black talent, and if you're a black talent, I'm a white agent in Hollywood, and I'm with a big agency, and my friends work at Fox, how much, and they was like, hey, I got Terrence Howard, how much y'all paying? You ain't really negotiating. He, you know, you're not really fighting. Like, no, you're trying to get Terrence five. He need eight, eight hundred grand an episode. You just like, okay, let me pass this offer on to Terrence. Terrence, they're gonna get you five. Is it seemed like the agency is not selling the studio. The the agency is trying to sell Terrence and them on taking these bullshit numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when you look mm -hmm. at uh, Maverick, they're Carter, working on behalf of the studio and not on behalf of their clients. Yeah. And, and that's that, why Terrence. I agree was suing I, but i thought he was suing um who i don't know his agency i thought he I was know. suing fox i know there is a lawsuit for um his agency too uh, or caa uh, maybe agency yeah but definitely for what you're saying because they were not they were not um 
they weren't working on his behalf. And 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 that's you know, it seemed like it, it's almost like somebody was in cahoots. Basically. And it's a conflict of interest. If mm-hmm. if if yeah. I'm the head of CAA, but also my son plays basketball with the head of Fox's son, and we bump into each other, how how hard are you negotiating? You may give mm-hmm. Terrence may have an end to getting a job, but that was I mean he's gonna get the money. Like, cause he the, the agency could have came back like, oh my god, Terrence, I got you this great offer from Fox. You beat out seventy five other black actors to get this, and he might be like, oh, okay, cool. But thinking like. It was just like, hey, do me a favor. Terrence is my client. Throw me a bone. He's like, fuck it. I know you. Take this 500 grand, whatever it may be. So, but I think, um, yeah. And, and it's so funny, though, because uh, now 50 Cent is like poaching Terrence Howard <laughs> and Taraji. Yeah. And I, I read a blog, and I don't remember which one, so I can't give it credit, unfortunately, because I'm reading so much throughout the day, mm-hmm. uh, trying to stay up on stuff. I should have written it down for the purpose of the podcast but um they were saying something to the effect of um 50 cent is telling um hey i you know we paying we paying good over here and they insinuated that mary j blas was making upwards of 400k per episode on um power mm-hmm. with her first leading you know acting uh Role. You know, TV series role. You know, she played in a couple of small, you know, roles and movies or whatever. Yeah, she did Mudbone, which was a good movie. Yeah, she had a small part yeah. in the Tyler Perry movie or, you know, to yeah, a couple of little things we've seen her before. But this was her first, you know, major, uh, major role. And uh, I'm like, 400000 an episode. So how much was, how much did Taraji say she was making at Fox? Well, she said she wanted five hundred thousand to do Benjamin Button, and she only got like not that. Five hundred thousand is crazy. Especially they was like Brad Pitt was making. <laughs> I think he made ten million. I don't know. He he made in the millions for the movie. That's crazy. And she did, and she was asking for five, but didn't get the five. She was it whatever it came. It shook out to about one sixty after taxes and agency fees. It shook out to maybe a little over a hundred thousand. For that year or for that project. Yeah, you just gotta know your worth. That's all I'm saying. Like if you if you believe in yourself and some projects you might have to turn down. You you may not be able to take a certain project because they're not paying you enough to pay your bills. Right. You know, you might have to get a car shield um commercial. Um now that two. brings me to our next conversation when they asked Vivica about you know what Taraji went through and she kind of just said, you know, to each his own. Al Reynolds said he called her to ask her, like, hey, did, they, did TMZ cut that interview? Was there more to it? And she was like, no, I said what I said. Follow me now. Let me, like, I got to go to the IMDb. But if you got to think at the height of, what's her name? Uh, Vivica Fox's career. We talking Independence Day, which was a diverse cast. We talking Kill Bill, which is a diverse cast. So they were, and they when she did Kill Bill, I'm thinking it was her. Lisa, Lucy Lou and all those women. I think it mm-hmm. was just a different studio, and and I think uh, that was Quentin Tarantino producing and directing that. So that might be different when you trying to do that, and or as opposed to like a color purple. So I just think it was. I don't even think that was Warner Brothers who who did that. It might have been a different studio house. So she may not have experienced that because she may not. She may know how to negotiate. Maybe that's why we haven't seen her any major blockbuster films because she's like this is what I charge if you don't want to pay this it. This is my life. Um just kind of kind of like um 
in the independent industry, we had, you know, a couple months ago, we had that big thing with the Dirty D mm-hmm. in Detroit, and we had some actors, and it was like this big controversy Good surrounding um, why the two actors were not on the show anymore, and then um, it was due to the rape. You know, they, they presented a rape um, to them. They said, this is not my rate. This is not what I, you know, what I'm used to paying. And production said, oh, well, then we can't do it. They took the deal off the table, rescinded their offer, and moved on. They didn't even get a chance to negotiate. Right. So then we learned later on that this person said, hey, my rate is 10K. I don't do a per day. Like, I, if you want me in a movie, I'm. this is my rate. So yeah. that could very well be it. That could be, you know, her thing. If, if you paying then I'm going here. You know what I'm saying? I'm not about to shop around. Yeah, I, I just think that you, like I said, it goes back to you just get what you negotiate for. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate for. And I know a lot of people was clowning her for the Car Shield commercials and, and some of the, the the independent films she did, like True to the Game. But Claudia Jordan backed it up. She was like, that's crazy that they didn't get car service and craft service. She said, hell, the movies I do on Tubi, at least somebody come pick me up and feed me. So we talk about even on a minimum budget, you still getting basic necessities like car service. A lot of and those, beef. a lot of those independent films have a whole catering staff yeah. dedicated to them for their whole duration. So, um, yeah. So, so I have a hard time believing they was like, "Oh, we forgot, or we got to ask for this." I can see if you was not uh, prepared for like we supposed to shoot at seven, and you showed up at four. Like, oh shit, we not ready. But to be ready and like. Welcome, and you don't have that. This, I think, uh, Taraji had alluded to some issues with bugs in her trailer on on Empire. Like, like that's that's crazy. Listen, um, if it was your job and you mm-hmm. had unfair work conditions, you'd be up out of there, you know, finding some kind of way to to break your. Uh, contract or whatever so i just felt like it wasn't too bad you know because you were right. still there and your, your people weren't working on it because you know if you had the proper re- representation they would have had the orchid man out there you know what i'm saying so i i don't know i i just don't know but i think that going back to vivica fox's response i just think that her her overall demeanor when asked that question her overall um just her everything her mannerisms just was shady because if somebody asks you you know um how do you feel or what do you have to say about women being unfairly uh treated or unjustly paid or whatever the case is and you say to each his own now i do understand that i do understand that um sometimes um uh, people are caught off guard with certain mm-hmm. questions and you could just simply say no comment. Right. That's it's not necessary for you to do all that. Yeah. It kind of the way she said it like she knew more about the situation than what we would know. And this kind of takes me back to when Tiana Taylor and uh Iman were breaking up and they had announced it on the Breakfast Club and Charlamagne go, I thought we already knew that. And they was like, no, we knew it, but the world didn't know. He's like, oh okay. 
<laughs> so maybe it's one of them situations where she was like, that ain't the full story this bitch telling y'all, but go go off with it. <laughs> it's funny that you said that because a lot of the comments surrounding that particular clip were, they don't even be in the same rooms. They don't even have the same circle. They don't even on the same level. So if that is the case, that'll be an interesting uh, development to see in the near future. Yeah, but even as an entertainer, you should have a writer, don't you? Like, Betty is not coming to perform at your comedy club without two avion waters <laughs> something so so to me everybody a... <laughs> all entertainer all talent should have some kind of a rider yeah i think even funky that even said he got a rider he said whether he used the shit or not it's on his rider that <laughs> i don't understand i just don't understand and i think a lot of times people are crediting taraji p henson henson for her first uh movie or whatever being the um the hustle and flow, but remember, she was you know, first we first saw her on Baby Boy, yeah. Um, and I think she was doing some stuff before this was probably her first larger role. I'm almost inclined to believe that some people that she may have had on staff may have been people that had been with her since the very beginning, and they may not be abreast to no. certain things because I think I'm the same saying. situation happened with Nicki Minaj, her and Deb Atney, where Deb can't admit it that. Nikki was blowing up so fast that she had got a request to come to Europe, but nobody knew how to get passports or hell how to. I mean, they knew about getting a plane, but you just can't get on the plane and take your ass to Europe. You need a passport, you need visa, you need clearances. So staff may not be. And she said, I think in one of those interviews that Taraji did, she said she had people with her for a long time that she just had to let go to get onto better things. So, and it happens every time in life. Like everybody. Is not meant to go with you um, the whole ride. However, if you are smart and you do get an opportunity like that, mm -hmm. um, then you should be definitely sharpening your skills and gaining knowledge as you go along throughout the years because inexperience is not an excuse after you've been doing something for a, a, a long time. Like, I, you would be remiss. Like, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you got a great opportunity um, for a family member or a friend to put you on because you are um, who you are to them. And then you still don't know how to be at the top of your game to help right. your client get to the top of their game. Um, so that's just, that's just ridiculous. And I think that's one thing I like about Maverick Carter and uh, LeBron James situation. That's what I was where, just about to bring up. I was just about to bring that up. Maverick turned the whole industry on their ass because he wasn't friends with nobody. You know what I'm saying? So he wasn't like all oh, he he wasn't buddy buddy with this agency or this group. He wouldn't been like this is what my client needs. This is what the fuck he's worth. This is what the fuck we gonna get. Who wanna pay it? Because <laughs> it wasn't like all oh, it wasn't like he had some type of connection. But they're like, oh, we'll give him a little ten million. Like, okay. So I that's one thing I like about Maverick situation. So so much so that they started trying to change the rules about who could be an agent based on how he was moving. And I think that's what we need more disruptors as opposed to just filing into the system where I'm an actor, I sign up with this agency, this agency is supposed to give me the job and it's, and everybody's getting so lazy and complacent. Nobody's really working for their client. It's just like, Hey, especially they got to send you out on an audition and it's a cattle call ass audition. It's like you ain't doing me. I could have, I could have found this cattle call audition on my own. You ain't. So I think, yeah, and, and and we're seeing that too with, um, we're seeing some of our independent artists or um, uh, actors 
the or actresses are now finding representation. There are mm -hmm. certain sets you can't get on without representation. Yeah. It's certain places that you can't get certain rooms you cannot get in um without the proper representation. Um, you may not be able to get to this particular producer or this particular director on your own, and you may need somebody to get you there. Um, uh, there's always this thing where sometimes you got to spend a couple of dollars to get ahead, <laughs> you know, right. spend the extra couple of dollars to get you, you'll make that up, you know, eventually. So millionaires do that. People who believe in themselves, they invest in themselves. They pay the extra dollar to get themselves at the top of the line or the front of the line um, in certain aspects or use certain tools to get where they need to go. So I just feel like it's unfortunate. It's sad. Um, I feel like Taraji has been in, a, in, in enough rooms um, in enough in front of enough people done enough projects to have the representation to get this woman what it is that she's asking for um, no matter if the director is black white Puerto Rican Haitian whoever like she should be able to get what it is that she needs and she should have the proper representation to be able to get her there this is talking just kind of talking this thing through Tay Diggs have brought up a I think yeah I think it might have been Tay Diggs or maybe Morris Chestnut have brought up a situation where Black Hollywood, when it was smaller, when you had like Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, maybe Bill Bellamy, Shamar five Moore. black actors, and, yeah. and five and and one movie per year, two yeah, movies and, per year. And he said back in those times, we would communicate with each other. So if somebody said, "Hey, this role is worth seven hundred fifty thousand," and and I'd be like, "No, I can't do it because my rate is let's say a million. I would call a, a table, or I would call a bill and say, hey, this is what this movie role is worth. Don't let the motherfuckers try to give you no 150. So it can at least be a united front. So the way Vivica said it is if that bitch been undercutting her own goddamn self, don't cry wolf not. That's the way Vivica said it. Like it ain't well, for well, that's kinda, but that's kind of <laughs> what but that's kind of what Taraji was saying too. Like, like it became like a point where she was taking these jobs. Cause that's all that she was offering. So I, I, I believe that. I believe right. that, that I believe that to be true. I believe that um, she was probably taking whatever they was giving her. They might've given her the very minimum. Like you go into a job and they say, we starting at, at uh 50 K and you go in there like, okay, give me 50 K, but the range is from 50 K to 75 K. And now right. you didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like you ain't even tried to see if you could get five extra dollars, like nothing. You just kind of took whatever they, put out there to you and you know if you're worth it you're gonna go out there uh let's start high start high right <laughs> let's start at so, the top you know what i'm saying so, so that 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 was the kind of way vivica said it like like yeah i would have did x minus zero but they knew they could have paid this bitch one hundred twenty thousand. she would have took it they damn sure didn't call me because they knew i wasn't gonna take it for no less than 675 you know what i'm saying you know <laughs> that's kind of how ironic, she said it though the ironic thing about that um is too it's almost like like you said, how, you know, actors were doing back in the day. Mm -hmm. It's almost how we got kind of smart in corporate America. Yeah. Remember, it was this thing where he was like, was don't smart. discuss your pay. Right. And then everybody <laughs> got smart. Like, wait like, a goddamn minute. Now. Hey, nigga, what you mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So then people started discussing and you kept, and you started finding out that everything won everything. Right. And I remember, um, I remember having a job um, when I was pregnant. So I got the job knowing full well that I was pregnant. Uh, but I needed a job because I had lost my other job. So I go into this job knowing full well that I'm pregnant and I'm about, I'm a lot of pregnant, right? Mm 
Because during the training, I find out that I'm having twins during oh, the training, Lord. right? My first week of training. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, I was definitely bogus with this, right? <laughs> but I needed a job. I had kids. I had shit to do. So I go on a job and, you know, I, I get the job. Um, I know I'm, my baby's doing a couple months. I leave, go on maternity. Um, I'm like, F that job. I ain't really like it that much. I'm going to find something else while I'm on maternity. So I get another job while I'm on maternity or, you know, whatever, right after my baby's get six weeks. And that job was uh, trash, like uh -huh. just trash. So I go back to the old job. Hey, I talked to my boss because, you know, people love me. Go back to my old boss. I'm, I'm you know, I work. I do, I do the job, right? So I go back to my boss. I'm like, hey, Joffrey, I need you to, uh, you know, see what you can do. You know, I need to get back in. So I get back in. But when I came back in, they were restructuring the pay. So they restructuring the pay and the new people coming in are coming in, making more money than I was when I first started the job several months ago. Right. Okay. So I come back in, I'm going back <laughs> through training and now the people who I have been working with several months later, <laughs> I'm making more than them. They've been there for a couple of years. These people are pissed. <laughs> so they like, we need you to train, you know, we need y'all to train these new hires, blah, blah, blah. These they like, like fuck that. We ain't training nobody. They making more than me. They figure it out. They was not trying to train any I, new I don't people. Blame them. The only reason why they was not out called to me is because they knew me and we had worked together before. But they like, <laughs> hey, how much they pay you? So now they mad. You know what I'm saying? But if we did not have those discussions, you know what I'm saying? People wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't necessarily know, but we got smart. We was like, wait a minute. Us not telling people what we make is only for um, it's only for y'all. It benefits y'all. But the thing about that too is sometimes when you all are even playing field, it don't really matter. You know what I'm saying? Like right. if we all doing the same position, we all got the same experience, we all got the same credentials, we should be making the same amount of money. The only difference is if one person is negotiating their rate and one person ain't. Back then, that was well, almost 20 years ago. This negotiation in in in, in corporate America, I'm gonna be honest with you. I had probably at that time been in corporate America for maybe five years, maybe five, okay. four, five, six years. So I wasn't really, you know, that versed in all the things that you could do, right? Right. Um, negotiating pay, negotiating vacation time, you know, negotiating bonuses, you know, all of that stuff. But I was smart enough to know that I was about to get these extra coins that they was passing out this go around. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is always good now that we are a little deprogrammed to know that this some bullshit that y'all selling us. Oh, of course. We need to get to the bottom line of this because now people like, even like when you go to a job and, and you ask them about, then they be talking about some, well, we'll talk about it in the interview. No, 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 no. We need to talk about it now. Cause I'm not taking no day off of work to come here. Y'all telling me that y'all paying 45 K. I, I don't, I'm not coming right. down there for that. <laughs> you know, right. I'm not about to put on my best last for that. <laughs> I, I agree. And that's not what I love to loved about the pandemic is that it put the power back into the employee's hand where people was like, and that's one thing I like about, what's he, the millennials? We in that bunch too, based on... We are millennials. We are the older, the, probably the last of the millennials. Right, we, we the older version of the millennials, but that's one thing I liked about the younger version. Them motherfuckers just walk off a job, like, man, fuck this shit, I'm gone. I they love that. They will leave that. on the lunch break on the first day, because they ain't I got no time to I love that. 
but you know one thing that i'm that i'm seeing and i was just talking to um one of my um agents at work and we were talking about um he was saying that his wife is a um a recruiter mm-hmm. and now the market is going back to employee uh, an employer market mm. so we're not in the employee market we're in the employer market but now if you think about it we really don't have that leverage like we thought we did before COVID because remember you just had to be the top candidate in this metropolitan area you know for this particular job now we could go get somebody in California I see what you're saying who's you know who may be a little bit more qualified who may even be able to work for a little less money you know what I'm saying because we don't need to just pick from this little small pool now we can pick from anybody in the country should we go international if we want to yeah uh, well, now a lot of jobs are going international. We got call centers everywhere. Um, I think I called Xfinity one day. I was talking to somebody in Jamaica. <laughs> one day I called in Xfinity. Jamaica, I, I talking... never got a Jamaica <laughs> in a call center. Jamaica. She told me she was from she was from Jamaica. We okay. Because I said, oh, it's, I said, are you? She told me the same. Another time I called, I got somebody in uh in Cairo, in Egypt. Damn. So, um. Yeah, they, they, they these international call centers are going crazy. So a lot of jobs are, you know, picking, you know, people who are maybe working a little bit less. They got a whole big pool of people to choose from now. It's you know, yeah. it's people working everywhere That's from their couch. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, this has been a good episode for our first one of the year. We're gonna get on up out of here. My name is Ben and sitting right in front of me. Who do we have? It's your girl, Betty, y'all. Thank you for joining us on this rabbit hole of entertainment. Peace. Peace. See you next time.